this off because it will be a treat for everyone to see me try to get it out of my curls. So I'm just going to keep everything on. So thank you so much, everyone, for having me today. Um, today I'm going to be speaking on Psalm 8. And my word today, I'm, I'm naming it what we learn when we worship together. And I just have been so um, overjoyed this morning to see the kids worshipping so freely alongside the adults and it's not tokenistic. And so I feel like you guys don't really need this message, but hopefully, if nothing else, it's an encouragement to you. Um, but yeah, just know that I'm really encouraged. Um, not all, not all churches do so well. So um, we got the slide up there. The there it is. What we learn when we worship together. Psalm eight. And to help me read this today, I'm going to ask a friend of mine to help. Hands up if you know Cecil the sheep. Does anyone know Cecil the sheep? Yeah. I love Cecil the sheep and we we love him in our family. We think he's really funny. Um, But the guy who wrote those books, his name is Andrew McDonough. And I don't know if you've ever had him here before. He's a South Australian Baptist and he's like a top bloke. But if you talk to Andrew about why he started writing these books, he'll tell you that he never set out to write books for children. He actually set out to tell the gospel stories in accessible and fun ways that would engage people. And what I love about Andrew's heart, he says, is when you include kids in your language and in the way that you teach story and teach the gospel, then you include a whole host of other people alongside that. And it really is about making Jesus um, someone for everyone that everyone can actually connect with. So um, we're going to read the story. I don't know where I put my phone. Here it is. So if we get uh, the story up. Has anyone read this one before, Cecil and Psalm 8? Does anyone know this one? So there's no words up on the screen. I'm going to read the words and you can just look at them on the picture. So Cecil starts off by saying, Hi, my name's Cecil. My friends and I love to sit on the rock and read the Bible. Come and sit, sit next to me and read together. We're reading Psalm 8. And so we have the... Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is human beings that you should think of them, girls and boys that you care for them? Yet, yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds. There's Cecil. Well, yeah, that'd be a fun game to play. Which one do you think he is? Is that one? He's definitely that one. No, I think he's that one. No, he's definitely that one. Yeah, I know. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild. Oh, dear. Not the animals of the wild. The... The birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. 
Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, this, this psalm is supposed to be a psalm of praise and wonder, praise and wonder. And everything about this psalm is supposed to make you go, wow, just wow. And I love to actually, I, I'm, a, I'm someone who sees pictures in my head when I imagine and think. Is anyone else thinking pictures? And I like to picture King David who wrote this psalm. So David and Goliath, he's the king of Israel. I like to picture King David out in a big open field on a warm night and he's looking up at the stars and he's thinking about how small and insignificant he feels when he looks around at God's creation and he just goes, Wow. Creation is so cool. These stars are so cool. That moon is amazing. Those trees are amazing. Wow, the world is great. And then he goes, wow, this stuff is just the stuff that God has created. It's not even God himself. It's just what he created. So how much greater must God be? Wow. And then he goes, but hang on, this creator He cares about me, broken human me. He cares about the weakest amongst us. Wow, that is amazing. And so today I want to encourage us to go, wow. I want us to think about the things that make us go, wow, creation is great. God is great. I have a colouring in activity for everybody. I would like everybody, adults and kids alike, to participate. And that's why you guys are around tables and you've got pens and textures because I've quite simply got a sheet here that says, draw something from creation that makes you go, wow. And whether it's a big thing or a small thing or an abstract thing, I don't really mind. What is it about the world that God has created that makes you go, Wow. And then at the end of the sermon, I'll get you to just share it with the people on your table and you can talk about it. So can I have a couple of people to help me? There's some there. And I've got, I've got plenty. Thanks, Dee. So if everyone takes one, and I don't mind if people are scribbling and drawing, thanks, Gav, while I'm speaking. That doesn't bother me at all. Now, kids, that might not be a very long activity and you might um, still want something to do. So I've got some more Cecil the Sheep activities once you finish your drawing. But I'm going to put down here on the floor, I've got a colouring in sheet with Cecil on the eagle. Okay, and I've got a maze. And when you're done your drawing, anyone feel free to come forward and get another activity. Okay, so you can have a think, start drawing while I'm talking and happy to perfect your drawings while I'm talking away. So like I said, everything about this psalm is designed to make you go, wow. And does anyone know what the word for that is? Anyone know a good word for that? The, the, The things that make you go, oh, wow. What's that? Amazement or wonder. Has anyone heard that? The word wonder. 
Now, to wonder means to wonder is the ability to identify things that are worthy of our notice and our amazement. It's looking at things and going, wow, I'm so interested in that. That just kind of blows my mind to a certain degree. And wonder is actually a really important part of worship. Wonder is the ability to look at the world around us, the world that God has created, and to go exactly what the psalmist is doing here, to go, wow, look at these things. As followers of God, when we look at creation and we go, wow, it's supposed to draw our minds back to God and go, if these are just the good things that he has created, how much greater must God be? Now, kids, I have something to tell you. Kids, did you know that you guys are actually so much better at this than the adults in this room. Did you know that? That there's actually something you guys do tons better than most adults. Because there's nothing more fun than being alongside a kid who's learning something for the first time and you just hear them go, whoa, that's so cool. Have any of you ever said that before? Yeah, yesterday. This is actually telling us the fact that kids do this so much better is there's something that you guys, you kids, have to teach us adults about what it means to worship God. There's something that we learn from you. And so we really want you guys to be in church and be teaching us what it means to worship God well. Your job, you kids, your job in the kingdom of God is just as important as the adults. Did you hear that, kids? Your job in the kingdom of God is just as important as the adults. And I can prove it because it's right here in this psalm that we just read. It says it right there in Psalm 2. Sorry, in, in chapter 2 of this psalm. It says, The praises of children and infants have established a stronghold against your enemies. In other words, the praises... And the prayers and the faith of kids can be really, really powerful. This is what the psalmist is trying to help us to understand. And what he wants us to do here is to sit in the contrast. So not only does God love broken humans, which is what King David is marveling at here. He's like, we're so broken, we're so flawed, and you've created all this good stuff and you love us. But even the weakest amongst us, even the seemingly most powerless amongst us, are capable of doing great things in the name of God. Even the weakest amongst us are capable of silencing great enemies. I wonder if you guys can reflect on a moment where you've actually seen this at work. There's a, um, there's a scene in a story that I always think of when I think of this moment of the power of kids silencing great enemies. Has anyone here ever read the book or seen the movie? Probably not the kids, it's probably just the adults, but a book or a movie called To Kill a Mockingbird. Does anyone know that story? It's a, your mum read it? It's an extremely powerful story. It's definitely one of my favourite books and they also made it into a movie. And um, I'm going to show you a clip from that movie in a little while, but I want to set the scene for you guys before we watch it. So... Essentially, um, Atticus is a lawyer in the 1940s in the deep south of America and he has been given the job to defend uh, in court a man who's being accused of abusing a white woman. 
And Atticus, one night, he's aware that there is a um, plan from the angry members of the white woman's family to come and find this man who's been accused in prison and to hurt him. And so Atticus decides he takes it upon himself to protect this man. And so in the middle of the night, he goes and sits outside the prison cell and just sits there to try and deter this plot from going through. And the kids, um, Atticus uh, has two kids, Jem and Scout, and then they've got a friend, Dill. And they don't know what their dad's up to, but they know that something's going down. So they actually secretly follow him. And we're going to pick up the story when the kids are hiding, looking on from the sidelines, and they're watching Atticus and this angry mob of men. And they start to realise that Atticus is in a dangerous situation. Let's have a look at what they do. Scout and Dill home with you. Son, I said go home. No, sir. Well, I'll send him home. Don't you touch him! Let him go! Let him go! That'll do, Scout. Ain't nobody gonna do Jim that away. Now you get him out of here, Mr. Finch. Jim, I want you to please leave. No, sir. Jim! I tell you, I ain't going. Hey, Mr. Cunningham. I said, hey, Mr. Cunningham. How's your entanglement getting along? Don't you remember me, Mr. Cunningham? I'm Jean Louise Finch. You brought us some hickory nuts one early morning, remember? We had a talk. I went and got my daddy to come out and thank you. I go to school with your boy. I go to school with Walter. He's a nice boy. Tell him hey for me, won't you? You know something, Mr. Cunningham? Entailments are bad. Entailments. I was just saying to Mr. Cunningham that entailments were bad, but not to worry. It takes a long time sometimes. What's the matter? I sure meant no harm, Mr. Cunningham. No harm taken, young lady. I'll tell Walter you said, hey, let's clear out of here. Let's go, boys. About you guys, but I find that a really powerful scene. Um, something about Scout in her innocence and her enthusiasm and her desire to treat people with respect and dignity.
diffuses an extremely dangerous situation. And then that makes that line of that psalm, phrases of children and infants have established a stronghold to silence the foe and the enemy. Because we have here angry men with guns that turn around and go home because of the words of a child and because those men were humbled by the attitude and the words of a child. I wonder if any of us here have ever been humbled by the words of a child. Have you ever found yourself humbled by the faith of a child? Because it happens all the time. I know when I hear my daughter at prayer time as a family and she'll pray, God, I pray that you'll take away the sickness because I really want you to. Like that's a really sincere and real prayer that I actually just don't always have the guts to pray. And I'm humbled by it. There's something about her joy, her enthusiasm and her sheer faith and confidence that she can pray that prayer that reminds me of who I'm called to be in God. Now we can watch a clip like that and know that that's just a fictional story. We can um, allow the most cynical and negative parts of us. And Guys, kids, that's a big word, cynical. You can ask your parents what that means later. I'm sure they know nothing about it, but you can ask them. The most cynical and negative part of us can tell us that we make space for children in church because it's cute and it's quaint to try and see them extend themselves to the same kind of level of faith and knowledge that we're capable of as adults. We can try and tell ourselves that we do a great grace by allowing space for the kids to learn. This is something that we give to them because, you know, they need us and they can't do it on their own. But we can also alongside that go, although we do this great grace by um, extending ourselves to allow kids in here, the Holy Spirit's not really at work in them. And they don't actually have anything to teach us about what it means to worship God and to understand him better. Now, I know we know that that's not true, but I wonder if you've ever entertained that fleeting thought because I know I've had that moment too when you find kids inconvenient and when you find it difficult... And we think it's just something that we do to help them. They don't really have anything to teach us. But we know that this isn't true because in the words of Jesus loves me, the Bible tells us so. The power of kids comes through in scripture all of the time. If you went to John chapter 6 verse 9, the, the offering of the loaves and fishes that fed the 5,000, that was the offering of a child, the selfless offering of a child who gave up his lunch. <laughs> in Luke 18, we see, The children are trying to come to Jesus and the disciples are turning them away and Jesus gets angry and he tells them, you have to let the kids come to me. In fact, if you're not able to come into the kingdom like a child, then there's big problems. In other words, he's telling the disciples, you've got to watch these guys because they have something important to teach you. And if you go to Matthew 21, you'll actually see Jesus quote this very psalm to the Pharisees when he's in the temple and there are some children that are praising Jesus and the Pharisees say, don't you hear what these kids are saying? He, the Pharisees appeal to Jesus to stop it. And Jesus says, haven't you ever read? And he quotes this exact psalm. Now, he doesn't explain it. He doesn't unpack it. He just quotes it and walks away. It's like his microphone drop moment. And what I love about this 
is um, if you really reflect deeply on it, he's actually saying something quite offensive to the Pharisees. Like he often does this. He doesn't unpack it. And when they think deeply about it, the Pharisees realize, hang on, I'm really offended by this. Because he says the praises of children and infants silence the enemies. Who do you think he's referring to the Pharisees? Which category are they falling under in that moment? And these Pharisees, they're the most educated and learned religious men in their culture at the time. And he's saying, even you guys, for all your spiritual knowledge, for all of your scriptural knowledge, even you guys have missed something that the children have understood. There's something that the children have seen that you are blinded to. And he's saying to them, humble yourself. It's supposed to humble them. And it's supposed to humble us. Now, it's true that there are still a lot of things that kids haven't learnt yet in life. And they need help to learn. So, kids, is there anything that you guys still haven't learnt that you're hoping to learn one day? Anyone got anything? Yeah? Stuff about technology, yeah? What else? How tools work to be a carpenter? How to ride a horse? I don't think I could even teach you that one. <laughs> but anyone else? Something they want to learn one day? How volcanoes come out. Oh, I wonder if there's anyone in this room who actually might know a bit about geography who could answer that question for you later. How, volca- how the lava comes out of a volcano. Anyone else? There are, oh, yes, Annie. How a person can walk through a door without bumping their head. Yes. That's called spatial awareness. We'll talk about it later. There are lots of things that kids need to learn that we as adults in the church, we're there to help them. Hey, Benny. There's lots of life experience that kids don't have yet. There's maturity that they haven't learned yet them to make good decisions and it's the responsibility of us adults in the church to get alongside them and to help them to learn and grow. But here's the kicker and here's what this psalm is trying to teach us. And here's the mistake we make over and over again in the church. That the developmental and educational needs of a human being and the spiritual needs of a human being are not the same thing. They are in fact different things. And educationally, yes, it's quite often really beneficial to separate people out into their age groups developmentally. Young people learn better when they're amongst peers. We know this because we see it in the curriculum. We see it in the way that kids are taught in schools. And so it's good for us to mimic that in the church and to take kids out and to have their special lessons. But spiritually, spiritually, we are richer when we worship together. Spiritually... God has designed it so that as human beings, we are forced to humble ourselves before each other and say, you have something to teach me. Doesn't matter, as Gav was saying before, what your background is, what your educational level, what nation you're from, what generation you're from, what gender, what um, physical and mental abilities you have. Every single human being is a creation of God 
and every single human being has something to teach us about the character of God. And that revelation is supposed to make us go, wow, wow. When we can see that a powerful God can work through the powerless, when we understand that a powerful God can work amongst the seemingless, seemingly weakest amongst us, we realize that it is a grace that God works through any of us at all. And these social constructs and these ideas of power and maturity and spiritual knowledge, yes, they have places somewhere, but when we worship together, what, that doesn't matter at all. It is a grace that God works through any of us. And that is supposed to make us go, wow. Just like King David does here. Wow, you are God. You are a powerful God. How is it that you can spend a second thought on us? So, my prayer is that you guys would continue to worship together, as I've seen here this morning. That we wouldn't see it as a tokenistic gift that we allow our kids to shake scarves and bells and praise God before us. That we can actually look upon them and realize that they're teaching us something about what it means to be in wonder and awe and sheer joy in the presence of God. I'll pray that that would rub off on you guys. I pray that it would invigorate us as we become a family of God that worships before our amazing God and says, wow, you are truly good. So that's all I'm going to say for this morning. I reckon what I might do is give you guys one minute in your table to share with each other what you draw on. What is it that makes you say, wow? And I'm going to call you back together and I'll end in prayer. So you guys share on your table. What, what have you drawn? What is it that makes you go, wow? together this morning. I hope you enjoyed, enjoyed sharing your pictures and I hope that this little reflection this morning would help us today to notice the things around us and to notice how they're supposed to lead us to our great creator. I pray that you guys would um, do it alongside the young people and let them teach you. And young people, I hope you guys realise that you're, you've actually got a really important role in the church, really important. And I love seeing it at work today and I just hope that you guys would continue to flourish and thrive in that. 
And would you pray with me? So amazing God, wow, thank you. Thank you for this amazing world. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Even though we make mistakes and we're, sometimes we're weak and sometimes we're tired and sometimes we're broken, it is a grace that you, you work through us and you speak through us. And I pray, Lord, that we would all remember that, that we would all invest in our faith and our relationship with you, that you would open our eyes to the world around us so that every single day we would see how good you are. I pray a blessing over Glen Osmond Baptist, Lord. I pray that this would be a community that flourishes through the generations and learns so much about you because of it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.